Good morning, church. Whether you're joining us online or on TV, I am so excited that you chose to worship with us today. Now, this week, we are so excited to welcome Pastor Josh to preach this weekend as we continue in our series, Every One. Now, I am super excited because we're going to go right into worship after this, and we're singing a song called House of the Lord that talks about God's joy that He has to offer us because our joy comes from Him, not a place, but a who. So would you join with me as we begin worshiping today?
song of the redeemed rising from the African plain. It's the song of the forgiven drowning out the endless summer rain. The song of Asian believers filled with God's holy fire. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, a love song born of grateful choir. All God's children sing out glory, glory, hallelujah. He reigns, he reigns. All God's children sing out glory, glory, hallelujah. He reigns. Of 
darkness They tremble at what they just heard Cause all the powers of darkness Can't drown out a single This is Poon, a man from Myanmar who moved to the U.S. in 2009 to escape the oppression of the tyrannical Burmese military. When last we spoke with him, he had fled Burma with his sister and two brothers in search of respite in Malaysia, where his parents had already found safe harbor. The 1,800-mile journey from Burma to Malaysia would prove to be one of the most challenging tasks of his life. but. At the end, he was reunited with his parents after more than a year apart. So we're in Malaysia, and our goal is um, to, to line into a refugee service so that um, don't know where they're going to send it to. Uh, all we know is, like, better country. For three weeks, they were able to sleep soundly, knowing they were free from the fear of the Burmese military working with the UN and Malaysia to escape to a safer country as refugees. However, this would not be the end of his difficult journey to freedom. 
immigration just knock on every door in our apartment and arresting non-citizens. And they knock on our door and we know what's going to happen. And we're so afraid, so we choose not to open the door. And they kick in and they came in. And that's the moment I realized I'm going to be in prison and breaking part of the family again. By the grace of God, one of the immigration officers who raided Poon's apartment saw how young his brothers were and took pity on his family, letting his father, mother, and siblings go. However, Poon was put in chains and taken into custody to be imprisoned. They put me in the lockup for three days. We don't even have enough food, and the room was just concrete, and in the center there's like toilet without any cover. There's thousands of people in that prisons and sometimes they didn't give us water for showering, drinking water for a week and it was so bad. I remember they told us to walk in the sharp rocks and the stuff and stand in one foot for like long, long hours. Sometimes they put gasoline in their food, their body, their hands, and burn it. They kick them in the face, tortures them. It was really tough for, for a young age. So innocent. I remember one night they called five peoples. You, 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 and come out. And they were so excited, and they thought that they were going to release them. And they went out, and all we heard is screaming, crying, yelling. And they came in and with blood, crying. And they ended up calling me, and I went out, and I'm so scared. And and one of the uh, police yelled at me to get back in. And he sent me back to inside and couldn't sleep that night. The degradation of the system in which Poon was ensnared is perhaps seen most violently in the slave trade in which the authorities were actively involved. It had become common practice for the Malaysian government to sell incarcerated refugees to gangs on the border of Thailand. They took us into a bus, and we don't know where we're going. And they took us to the border, and we were sold. Those border gangs told us that, hey, contact your family from Malaysia. If you have money, we'll send you back there. If you don't, then we'll sell you to a fisherman in the ocean. Or will kill you. The desperation of Poon's situation seemed to be escalating at every turn. However, God showed up in the middle of what seemed like a hopeless situation through something as simple as a wedding. Before being arrested, Poon had attended the wedding of a distant family member. 
It just so happened that the groom from the wedding was arrested shortly after Poon and was put in the same prison. They would also be in the same group of prisoners when sold to the border gangs. So at the time they said, contact your family. And I don't really know, like, how to contact my family. My cousin said, don't worry about it. And he said, he'll take me home. And he asked them, how much is this kid? Like, you're going to charge him. Would you do, like, lower? And they said, um, 3,000 ringgit. It's about um, $800 in America. They said, he asked them in 1,000, and they said, okay. And then they took us back to Malaysia. We'll almost get there. And they said, okay, is money ready? And then they changed the price on me. They said 3,000 for me too. If you don't want it, we'll take him back and kill him. And, and he said, he'll pay it. I was, I'm so thankful for my cousin um, because of him and I'm safe. As I look back, all that journey, all I know is God was there with me all the time. Look back and no matter where I went through, even in the bad government, the border, I was sold, I was arrested in prison. Whatever I went through, just I just know that God had was always there for, with me and always guide me and protect me. I praise Him for whatever He wrote that story in my life. And all I can say is thank you. Justice, this endless river of righteous living that we're called into, is, friends, going into the darkness, setting right what is wrong in the power of Jesus. Justice, it's addressing what is broken and protecting the vulnerable. It's demanding dignity for others, regardless of what they look like or sound like, regardless of where they're from, regardless of who they sleep with, regardless of who they voted for or whether they annoy us or not. Justice, it's working to see the goodness of God right here, right now for everyone. Good morning, Rock Island. How you doing? <clears throat> doing okay? Hey, I'm glad that each of you are here, plugged in, worshiping together. What a great time of worship that we've already had, and I'm excited to see what God has for us today. <clears throat> if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Josh. I get to serve as one of the pastors on staff here at Heritage. And before we really get going, I want to just share 
a quick story, kind of a related, unrelated story. My, I have a 15-year-old son. His name is Aaron, and he has recently been serving as uh, one of the tech guys uh, up in the Bat Cave. And if you don't know where the Bat Cave is, Everybody just turn around, just make it awkward. But right here in that window, we've got a bunch of people up there. They're waving back at you. Uh, we have a great, great team of tech volunteers that keep things going for us. And uh, they're, they're kind of in the unenviable job of like, the only time they hear stuff is when things go bad. <laughs> and uh, so be sure to thank them. If you, if you see them walking around, uh, they do great work. But my son's been plugging up in that room from uh, time to time, and he's been working the camera. And the, the camera guy's sole responsibility really is whoever is preaching, you, you need to keep them in frame. Um, so if they move around a lot, you, you've got a little bit more work to do, and you, there's a controller up there, and, and that, that's really the job. And so whenever Aaron is put on the schedule, the very first question that he asks me is, who's preaching? <clears throat> and the question behind the question is, is it Pastor Chris? <clears throat> because Chris, Chris is a unique breed, uh, really. Um, and the camera guy's job on Pastor Chris Weeks is very difficult because you can, you can be over there and over there, up front. I mean, and he's even wound up in the front row before. I mean, the, the guy is crazy. And uh, I mean, I love him. I love him. But, uh, but he has a lot of energy. And so, you know, whenever Aaron hears that it's Chris, you know, he's... His, he, he just, he doesn't panic because he's not a kid that panics, but, but you can tell, like, I've got to bring my A game that day. I've, I've got to pay attention. On the flip side, when he finds out that it's me, he's like, oh, you're easy. You know, you just stand in one place and hold your Bible, and that's, that's really it. AKA, you make my job boring. So, <clears throat> so there's that. And uh, I'm going to try my best to stand here and hold my Bible while not thinking about how my preaching lands on him. And uh, we're just gonna kind of get after it today. Uh, I, I'm super excited to be with you. And uh, Pastor Jeremiah, last weekend, he kicked off this brand new missional series called Everyone. Uh, missional is just kind of a, a way of saying, what, what is our mission as a church? What's our calling? What are we supposed to lean into as the people of God? And, and we're gonna just continue that conversation. One thing that I'll say right up front is that uh, as we have been in this conversation and as we continue to be in this conversation over this three-week period, one of the true blessings for me has been watching Poon's story. Uh, Poon, I, I love that guy. I call him a friend. Uh, I, I love that he is serving on staff with us. He does great work. And, uh, and man, the, the, the stuff that he had to go through, um, the, the, it's, it's extraordinary, it's painful, and that he's willing to share that with his church family is, is also, like, I, I just am so proud of him. And so uh, just, if you see him around, give him a hug or whatever, whatever you do, but yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's over at Bettendorf today, but, but uh, man, it's just been extraordinary to watch, watch that story unfold. Uh, so today, uh, you know, last week, Pastor Jeremiah talked about every tribe. And, uh, and he talked through the importance of valuing each person that we come in contact with. And he talked about this idea of communicating you belong and your presence matters. And, and so now this week, we're gonna shift the focus slightly and we're gonna move from this concept of every tribe and we're gonna look at a missional examination of the phrase every tongue. And I, I wonder if we should probably start 
by laying a foundation of the fact that when the, the scriptures talk about the word tongue, it is almost always in reference to the things that we say, to the words that we use. In fact, Proverbs in the Old Testament and James in the New Testament have some really strong instruction for us about the need to tame our tongue. Otherwise, it, it can be a wrecking ball in our relationships if we leave it unchecked. Now, that said, it is also true to say that the scriptures will sometimes use the word tongue or tongues to describe a particular language or, or the language that you use to communicate. Tongue and language can sort of be interchanged in certain places in the scriptures. So you could ask the question, what tongue do you speak? Well, I speak the tongue of English or Spanish or Chen. And, and this is the direction that I want to head uh, today in our time together. And I want to specifically explore the question, what does it look like for us as Christ followers to value and love and honor every tongue and every language as followers of King Jesus? And right away, I think it's important that we frame all of our time together by taking us into the future. I think we need to be future tense a little bit today. And if you're tracking in your note guides, this is kind of the, the big moment for the first fill-in. And, and, and really what I want to communicate here is that the scriptural vision for the future should inform how we live now. Our vision, the vision that the Bible gives us for the future should inform how we live now. I passionately believe this to be true. And so I wanna offer up two future tense passages for your consideration as we lean into this together. The first passage found in Philippians chapter two. It's one of my favorite all-time passage or scripture or chapters in the Bible. And I wanna read specifically verses nine through 11. Listen to this. Therefore, God elevated him, speaking of Jesus, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And then catch this, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I love that phrase, right? That every tongue will declare that Jesus is Lord. Now, to me, this is a, you, you can interpret this very literally, that, that, that eventually every single tongue, every single mouth will declare the lordship of Jesus. But I would also argue for kind of a secondary level of meaning and that, that to say that, that this declaration will happen in every spoken language, every language represented in this sacred moment of declaration. And, and, and it's gonna be a beautiful thing. So, so hold that passage in mind, and let me give you the second passage. This is found in Revelation chapter five, verses nine and 10. This is one of many songs that we are given where, where these are songs that are proclaimed in the throne room of heaven. And, and this particular one gives us insight into heaven and new creation, how it's gonna look and sound. So listen to this. You, again, speaking of Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God. Listen, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Now, I don't know if we think about this a whole lot as it relates to heaven, 
But based on this Revelation reading and based on what we know about resurrection accounts and and other snippets that we can kind of gather and and put together like a puzzle, it certainly seems like heaven is going to be a multilingual setting. English is not going to be the only language you hear in new creation because it seems like we're actually going to retain through our resurrection bodies our unique cultural and ethnic distinguishers And friends, I actually find this to be incredibly beautiful. Jesus is going to create a kingdom of priests out of everyone who followed him, and the scriptures make it clear that every tribe and language and nation will be represented in this. And it's a good reminder for us, maybe a sobering reminder for us, that no one nation has a corner on the market of God's grace. No one nation has a corner on the market of God's favor, and that when we are ushered into new creation, when we are are, are ushered into heaven, it's going to be a beautiful mixture of black and brown and white bodies who are all calling out in thousands of different languages praise and adoration to God Most High. And, And this might be speculation, but, but I would guess that we will be fully equipped in that moment in heaven by God to understand and be understood by anyone we encounter and yet will still retain our unique features and language. I mean, this is going to be beautiful. I, I can't hardly even imagine it. Now, why do I share this? For one, as I've already mentioned, this vision of the future should inform how we choose to live now. It helps broaden our understanding of our call to live as the sent people of God, not just to the people who speak the same way as we speak, but also to those who look and sound different than us. And, and, and let's just own the fact that this is easier said than done, right? Can we just own the fact that, that language barriers are a difficult thing and that they're hard to navigate and there can be miscommunication involved in some of this stuff? I remember going on a mission trip for Heritage uh, back in the 90s. I was a, a sophomore in high school, and we went on a trip to the Dominican Republic. And it was, it was my first trip out of country. It was actually my first flight ever. It was, it was kind of a big deal to me, and so that trip, is, it, it still remains very vivid to me. And, and there was one particular moment that, that was so embarrassing that it remains vivid to me as well. Because I remember one night talking to a woman and and I was attempting to speak to her in Spanish. That was her heart language. And I had very limited understanding of Spanish. I took maybe one semester my freshman year of high school, but I was a terrible high school student, so that didn't didn't go anywhere. And, And I remember trying to close out the conversation with this woman by telling her what I thought was, have a good night. Right? That's easy enough, I would think, to say. And, and I said it, and the woman like, looked at me weird and kind of did a double take or a side eye. I don't remember exactly what it was. I mean, I'm just a sophomore in high school, so verbal cues, nonverbal cues are probably not something that I'm going to pick up on unless it's big. And, and it was big enough that I'm like, what did I just do here? And so I left that conversation second-guessing myself, and I went to a group leader and, and told him about the situation, told him about the whole, you know, the whole dynamic, and he asked me to repeat what I said in Spanish. And, and I repeated it, and he promptly started laughing at me. 
And then he proceeded to tell me what happened, that what I thought I had said was have a good night, but what I actually said was, I'll see you later tonight. <clears throat> so that poor woman, uh, American boy hitting on her, like I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't even know what, what to do with that. And, and, but the reality is things like that can happen. And, and so it can be really easy to shy away from that dynamic. I guarantee you, I was gun shy the rest of that trip. But, but, but knowing, that, but knowing that, that this multilingual, multi-ethnic thing is in our future, it begins to help us lean in, even if there's some risk involved, even if there's some embarrassment involved. And, and it reminds me of a line that Jesus prayed in his prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, in, in many ways, as I read that line in that prayer, I, I begin to think, if we know that something is gonna be true in heaven, if, if we know that something is true in heaven, then we should seek to live into that now, immediately, bring it to earth, do whatever we can, pour our lives out for that dynamic. And, and friends, this is actually why I really value the fact that we still sing pieces of our songs in Spanish. Now I look, some of you I know have questions about that. Why, why, do, we, why do we do that? But I, I wanna encourage us as a body of believers that, that when we include some non-English in our songs, it actually sounds more like heaven than if it was just an English-only song. Every tribe, every nation, every language, before the throne, worshiping the Lamb. This is why I also really love what we do at the Esperanza Legal Assistance Center. By the way, this, this stat actually stunned me because time flies, but this January, we're celebrating five years that the Esperanza Legal Assistance Center, ELAC, has been open. Uh, so th that's amazing to me that five years of ministry from that space has been happening. And let me put some numbers around those five years real quick, just to give us context of the ministry that's happened. We have served 702 clients. We have handled 565 case matters. 63 countries have been represented. And listen to this, 130 individuals have gone on to become U.S. citizens through that, through that ministry. And I, I love that. It's amazing. The team there works so hard. Carolyn O'Connor, she is a rock star in that arena. And I, I just love what happens in those spaces and places. But believe me, I've talked with Carolyn enough to know that they have to navigate language all the time. And, and I love that we are present in the midst of that complexity, that, that we are willing to help folks explore what does it look like uh, for, for citizenship in America. But, but that is a daunting thing. I mean, I want you to think about this. Like, I, I think about your own tax forms for a moment. Like, I, I like to think that I am a proficient uh, reader in English, but when I go to look at those tax forms or when I go to look at a legal document, I don't know what's going on. Like, it's English, but it's, it's not either. You know, it's, it's just, it's crazy. And so imagine how much more difficult it would be, how much more intimidating it would be for someone who speaks maybe little to no English to navigate how difficult those legal documents can be. And that is where our team 
steps in to lend support and encouragement to at very least give them a fighting chance to understand some of the complexities of the legal issues that they have to navigate. And we do this, friends, because we firmly believe that this is work that Jesus would have us do. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We lean into this work because we have this multilingual, multi-ethnic understanding of heaven and new creation, and we want to demonstrate great love and intention to those who are struggling to, to maybe find their way or, or people who might be feeling very alone in that moment. And we hope and we pray that we are representing Jesus well in those spaces and places because, friends, the gospel is for everyone regardless of where you were born, regardless of what language you speak, the message of Jesus coming to earth to redeem us is applicable to every single person, every single tongue. Now, it's interesting to me, when you look at the fullness of the scriptures uh, around this idea of every tongue or every language, there is a little bit of a complicated story here, if we're being honest. Uh, if you were to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 11, you would find the really strange story about the Tower of Babel. It's an ancient story, it's a strange story. We're not gonna get into that story hardcore today, but suffice it to say that it's a story designed to help us understand why there were different languages created to begin with. And, and ultimately, as you interpret that story, it seems like human pride got in the way and, and God caused you know, kind of all of these languages to be created in order to scramble up our communication with each other. And when I look at where it's positioned in the scriptures, I, I, I look at this directly as just another curse of the fall. It's, it's another curse of sin. And I think it's important to be clear here as you interpret that story, I don't think the curse of Babel rests upon the different languages that were created there. I think that's the mode that, 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 that God used. But I, I think the curse laid down at us on Babel was having our ability to understand each other removed. And, and it opened us up to more division and more conflict. And much like the other curses that are found in early Genesis, I believe that the New Testament demonstrates a firm reversal of this curse. And it happens on the day of Pentecost, the day when Holy Spirit arrives and anoints and empowers his disciples and believers for mission. In fact, I want to read just a short snippet from that day. Acts chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And then it's really great because you get into verses 7 through 12 and, and we're told that the crowd was perplexed because there were literally like 16 people groups listed in those six verses and all of them are hearing the same thing and they're like, what in the world is going on? And I love this because Pentecost is God's answer to the problem of Babel. Pentecost is the reversal of the curse laid down in Genesis 11. It starts at Pentecost, it culminates in new creation, and it's amazing to me that the very first thing that we hear about following this infusion of the Holy Spirit is this moment of God unscrambling all of that communication. Like it could have been a hundred different things that happened, but it was an unscrambling that happened in that moment. This is God, yet again, 
starting to make something right that we humans kind of broke up early on in our history. But there is a, a very practical reminder for us in all of this, that if we are indeed spirit-filled people, then yes, we will care deeply for people who look and sound and believe like us, but it also means, friends, that we will care deeply for those individuals who look and sound and believe different than us. It means that we will value them and cherish them, that we'll value their unique stories. It means that we'll position ourselves to learn from them, and it means that we will demonstrate love always. We do this in partnership with Holy Spirit. I wanna just read a, a quick passage from Brad Briscoe, who's a, a church thinker and missiologist. He wrote this, he said, God calls the church to be the sent community of people who no longer live for themselves, but instead live to participate with him in his redemptive purposes. If the church is to go and be, then we must make certain that we are a spirit-formed community that has the spiritual capacity to impact the lives of others. It's a beautiful picture of, of the type of community that we get to be together, a sent community infused with Holy Spirit power and fueled by the love of Jesus. In fact, if you're tracking in your notes, we'll conclude with kind of a, a landing statement for us. And that is that love has the power to transcend language. Love has the power to transcend language. It's, it's honestly why the cross is such a beautiful transcultural image where people all over the world, once they hear the story, they can easily latch in to what the cross represents. There are just some things that go beyond human description. There are some things that communicate love without a word even being spoken. And it's, it's why I love our Christmas expressions that, that Pastor Steve talked through earlier, that all of these things that we're doing in and through our community, these are tangible ways that, that we demonstrate our love to our community. And there's one that I want to highlight here in this space. Might as well, I've got you all together, but I want to talk a little bit about the Jefferson Christmas party. And that, that is coming up on Thursday, December 9th. And we're going to just be throwing a big party for the students at Jefferson Elementary, uh, but also for their parents. So we're going to be, you know, playing games and decorating cookies and serving pizza and, and flat out demonstrating the love of Jesus in that space. And so we want to invite you in. If you want to volunteer at that party, we would love to have your help. And uh, you can kind of do that through the Church Center app or you can, you can call the church or fill out a connection card. But we, we want to gather people together so that we can love that community well. And I also want to encourage you to be reflective to, to maybe be courageous enough to ask yourself a few questions in, in and through all of this. To maybe ask the question, how am I demonstrating the love of Christ? Or, or how willing am I to interact with people who are different than me so as to demonstrate the love and, and value that Jesus has for them? In what ways can I bring the kingdom to earth as it is in heaven? So friends, I am so excited to see Heritage continue to lean into mission and I'm excited to see what God's going to do in us and through us. And I think it's just good for us to be reminded that because God loves everyone, so we should love everyone. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this, this day, this moment, this opportunity that you've given to us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us lean very intentionally and courageously into our calling as the sent people of God. 
We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done. And I pray, Lord, that as we seek to, to love our communities, that, that we would be tangible reminders of, of the love that you have already passed on to us. And so, Lord, empower us, embolden us, and send us. We love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will say, Pray. Are you Lord? Sing all the earth. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Let praise be a weapon that conquers. 
so much for joining us for services today. Now, if you have a prayer request that you would like to share, or if you'd like to meet with a pastor, we would be so excited to do that. I might be a little bit biased, but I do think that our pastoral team is really cool. One of the ways that you can talk with us and meet with us or set up an appointment to do that is by going to heritageqc.com connect. We know that God loves the heart of a cheerful giver and your tithes and offerings have been instrumental in our ability to partner with local nonprofits. And one of those nonprofits is a place called Argros House. Argros House is a nonprofit that supports female survivors of domestic abuse and sexual assault. And I am so proud of the fact that we partner with them and they're actually gonna be on site at our church locations the next couple of weeks. But your tithes and offerings help make our partnership with them possible. So if you'd like to give today, I'd encourage you to go to heritageqc.com slash give. We'll see you next week.